listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it, the, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome into the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. Very glad to have you along with me is Zach Barletta, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Over the next half hour or so, we'll be talking sports and sharing a faith-based perspective as we do. What are you doing over there? I'm playing some music for the big holiday this week. Well, okay, yeah, this year with Valentine's falling on a Friday, we get to make a whole weekend of it. Obviously, you're excited. You must have something you want to say to your wife over there. Dude, no, that holiday is made up by greeting card companies and florists. I'm talking about Pitchers and Catchers Day. Oh, good point. Pitchers and Catchers, there's, there's baseball players running around in shorts in Florida this week. It's a big deal. It is that time of year where, for me, I lose interest in having winter any longer. Of course, we live in Rochester, New York. I have no say in the matter. I actually do pretty well with winter. It doesn't really bother me all that much. Not that I go out and celebrate it. I don't go out and do many of the outdoor things. But once baseball players start showing up for spring training, I lose all patience for winter. And any snow we get the rest of the season from here on out, man, it's just going to frost my fanny. You know what frost my fanny? You watch your language. Did that totally frost your fanny? Get off my lawn. Man, that'll frost your fanny. If your life had a face, I would punch it. That really frosts my fanny. Easy, compadre. Did I just frost your fanny? As a matter of fact, you did. Basketball and hockey are in that long stretch between the excitement of the new season and the postseason, and especially those final weeks of the season as teams push for the playoffs. March Madness, not quite here yet. Football is over. Or is it? I watched some of the XFL games last weekend, like many people. I, I was curious. I'll tell you what, for the most part, I, I liked what I saw. The XFL returns after having failed in its only season back in 2001, despite getting pretty good ratings back then on TV. The on-the-field football product just wasn't there. It didn't resonate with fans. The league was, and still is, owned by Vince McMahon of wrestling fame. Back then, there was just too many gimmicks, too many elements from wrestling entertainment that football fans didn't like. It seemed scripted. They also seem to rely too much on scantily clad cheerleaders and players known simply as He Hate Me, which was the name on the back of the jersey. This time, McMahon, is he's focusing on the field. It's a faster, simpler play than compared to that in the NFL. It also comes just a year after the collapse of the short-lived Alliance of America football, and I thought that league had a chance because it was intentionally not competing with the NFL. It was really trying to be a minor league of sorts for the NFL. Something, if I remember right, the XFL, its first time around, it did try to compete with the NFL. The AAF got itself into trouble, though, with payroll problems. It didn't even complete its first and only season. Of course, McMahon, he's loaded, and he's pledged to make sure the league has financial wherewithal to succeed. He says that he will allow the league to operate for at least three seasons, and he's okay, get this, he's okay even expecting to lose upwards of $375 million. Like, like I said, the, guy, the guy's loaded. 
The XFL will have exposure on its side. More than half the season's games will be televised thanks to deals with Fox, Disney, giving it access to ABC, Fox, ESPN, FS1. Fans will be more comfortable, I think, because some of the voices calling the games are familiar. Guys like ESPN, Steve Levy, Fox NFL Sunday host Kurt Menefee, among others. I thought the broadcasts that I saw last weekend were interesting. I don't really like the in-game interviews and discussions with players and coaches while the games are going on, but I know many people do. The D.C. Seattle game had an interview with a kicker right after he had missed a field goal. I don't always think that's fair to the player. You know, he, he doesn't succeed on the field and you're throwing a microphone in his face. There's a reason leagues adopt a cooling off period before reporters are given access to the locker room. In fact, in that game, Seattle's Dylan Day let an F-bomb fly, which made it to the airwaves and then went out virally on social media. I also don't get anything out of hearing the sideline communications, but I can see how people would enjoy that, being on the inside of communications between the sidelines and the players on the field. What I did really like was the communication from the referees, which were made part of the broadcast. I loved the transparency on the replay reviews as they figured out what was going on. I was most curious about the kickoffs, and I do really like that. For the benefit of player safety, I hope the NFL adopts something similar. While the kicker kicks from his 30-yard line, the coverage team lines up on the return side 35-yard line, and the receiving team just five yards away at the 30. And they can't move until the ball is caught by the returner or three seconds after the ball touches the ground, which eliminates most of those high-speed collisions. Out-of-bound kicks and any kicks that fall short of the 20-yard line bring the spot all the way out to the kicking team's 45-yard line. Huge incentive to keep the ball in play. Similarly on punts, if the ball goes out-of-bounds inside the 35-yard line, it gets spotted there at the 35 So if a punt goes into or out of the end zone, it also gets spotted on the 35. So the farther down the field the team gets, the less incentive it has to punt, especially if it gets within the opponent's territory, which will mean more offensive plays and more of the exciting fourth down plays. Plus, because punt coverage teams can't release until the ball is kicked, they won't be as far down the field when the ball reaches a receiver, so in theory, less fair catches. Many of the rule differences from the NFL are designed to speed up the game to promote scoring. The XFL gives three options after a touchdown, none of which are kicking. They can get a one, two, or three-point conversion, depending on if they choose to run the play from the two, the five, or the ten-yard line. So a one-possession game, then, is nine points. This seems unnecessarily glitchy to me, but, but it does add some additional strategy with no kicking and probably a bit more excitement. The clock is different, a 25-second clock as opposed to the NFL's 45. I did see over the weekend that that 25-second clock did push teams and even presented a couple of challenges for them and and problems for them to overcome. But for the fan, it it kept the game moving. There's a running clock, except in the last two minutes for the most part. The rule's a little different there. The overtime is different, resembling more of the NHL shootout, which is very exciting. The halftime is only 10 minutes. There's no coach's challenge. A few other, I don't know, tweaks, I guess I'd call them. Some changes, I'm sure, they won't make much of a difference. Maybe it won't even get noticed. Uh, One of the ones I can think of is a double forward pass. 
teams can make a second forward pass so long as the ball's not crossed the line of scrimmage. I don't know how often that'll come up. Time will tell, but some of the changes are good, and some maybe they're not even noticeable. But the XFL has gone to great lengths to research player safety, to survey fans, find out what they like, what they don't like. They're not just making changes for the sake of making changes, but they're intentionally trying to make the game more entertaining for fans and safer for players. We need to be open to change. Different ideas, different ways of doing things. Sometimes our pride gets in the way. After all, we've been doing this much longer. How can they do things better than we can? Let's hope the NFL doesn't feel that way. If some of these changes the XFL has instituted turn out to be pretty good ideas. Sometimes it could be like that old story of a husband asking his wife why she cuts off the ends of a roast before cooking it. And she says, because my mother always did. So he asks his mother-in-law the same question. He gets the same response because my mother did it this way. He eventually appeals to his wife's grandmother who laughs and tells him she doesn't know why they do it, but she did it because her roasting pan was too short. You see, things done to serve a purpose at one time can lose its usefulness as time goes by. It takes quality leadership, wise leadership, to not only know when something needs to be done differently, but having the courage to do it. Change challenges us. It requires us to rethink what we're doing and see things in a new way. It's part of God's plan for us. He doesn't want us to stay the same. He wants us to grow, but it's hard. Change can be frightening because we don't know where it's leading us. We don't know the end result, but we need to trust God. In Acts chapter 10, God gives Peter a vision in which verse 12 says there are all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. And in verse 13, a voice tells Peter, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Such a command goes against Peter's Jewish practices which was to never eat anything except kosher foods. Peter responds in the next verse, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything unholy and unclean, which the voice warns him, What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. And this happened three times. Peter was left contemplating the change. Several Bible verses say that he was perplexed about it. The Holy Spirit then tells him that three men are looking for him, and not to hesitate because I have sent them, the Holy Spirit, that is. Those men had been told by an angel to bring Peter to Cornelius, a Roman centurion who the Bible says in Acts 10.22 is a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews. Peter goes, and he finds this large group waiting to hear what he has to say. He tells them it's against Jewish law for Jews to associate or visit non-Jewish peoples. And then in verse 28, he says, And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. Peter came to realize that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of all people everywhere. All the people there that day became believers in Christ. They began a relationship with him, having been forgiven of their sins. God took what Peter loved, seeing people come to know Jesus, and he grew it beyond even what Peter expected. The idea that God could use people other than the Jews was entirely new to Peter. Giving up the familiar can be intimidating, but the end result may very well be worth it. God had expanded Peter's mind. He expanded his heart to where he was now willing to accept that which he once would not. And as a result, many people entered eternity knowing Jesus Christ. God's word 
and the message of Jesus Christ must not change. But how we share that message certainly can. Perhaps you can involve yourself in a ministry you've never been a part of before, partnering in new ways, introducing people to the gospel message of the Bible. Perhaps you need to do things differently. Maybe you need to trust God and step out from the familiar. And maybe that means trusting God for the very first time. Maybe your way of doing things hasn't been working. You know you're a sinner, and you're ready for a change. Yes, it's intimidating. What will your friends think? What will your family think? Could you really become one of those Christian people? Jesus Christ died on the cross, laying down his sinless life, which was perfect and holy, in order to pay the penalty of your sins and mine. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Are you at a place where you're ready for change? Instead of carrying the guilt of sin, you want to be forgiven. And the Bible says that if we confess our sins to God and ask him to forgive us, he will forgive us. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As God showed Peter, he wants to have a relationship with all people. Romans 10.13 says, Whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I hope that you'd pray to God and admit to him your sin and guilt. Tell him that you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, that he was buried and that he rose again, and ask God to forgive you and ask him to help you in repenting, turning away from sin. And if there's some way we can help, something maybe we can pray about for you, please feel free to let us know. You can always reach out to us through our website, btgprogram.com. Stick around. Up next, Zach has some shenanigans statements. A little later, you like that? I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Time now to look back on this past week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics. This is the Red Hawks recap brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. The Red Hawks men's basketball team dropped a road game against Queens College last Friday night, 79-59. Amari Lee scoring 16 points to lead Roberts. Armand Nasiri adding 11. They were back in action on Sunday, visiting number 11 University of Bridgeport, falling to the Purple Knights 113-86. Reggie Clark led all scorers with 24 points his seventh 20-plus point game of the season. As for the women, they lost to Queens College 82-53 on Friday, despite Emily Miller recording her 10th double-double of the season, scoring 14 points and grabbing 13 boards. Sarah Nady added 14 points in the game, leaving her at 999 for her career. She'd move past the 1,000 career point mark on Sunday, however, scoring 12 points to lead the Red Hawks to a 64-48 road win over the University of Bridgeport. Miller led the Red Hawks with 17 points, and Taryn Wilson picked up her first double-double of the season with 12 points and 12 rebounds. Coming up, the next chance to catch the Red Hawks at home is Sunday, February 16th, as the men's and women's basketball teams host St. Thomas Aquinas College. The women tip off at 2, followed by the men at 4. They're back at it the following Sunday, February 23rd as well, hosting the University of the District of Columbia. Once again, the women are slated for a 2 o'clock start, followed by the men at 4. And on Monday, February 17th, the women's lacrosse team kicks off its season with an 11 a.m. match hosting Pace University. 
Go on out and support the Red Hawks. They are, after all, the only Division II college athletics program in Rochester. Stay up to date with Roberts Wesleyan Athletics at their website, robertsredhawks.com, and you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Red Hawks Recap, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Beyond the Game program. BTG is recorded in the BTG studio in Rochester, New York. It's heard all around the world via podcast. This week, we'd like to say hello to Green River, Wyoming, one of the many places to download last week's program. The late Kurt Gowdy, outstanding broadcaster, was born in Green River, Wyoming. The longtime voice of the Boston Red Sox, numerous Olympic games, many other events. It was Gowdy who gave the Rose Bowl its nickname as the granddaddy of them all. Many folks think of Keith Jackson when they hear that, but it was really Kurt Gowdy who gave him that nickname. He actually, shall we say, borrowed the name from Cheyenne Frontier Days in Wyoming. Thanks for listening in Green River, Wyoming. And to you, wherever it is you're listening from, however it is you're listening, we thank you as well. Let me hand things over to the very well-bearded Zach Barletta to take us through this week's shenanigans statements. All right. Thank you very much. Number one, as a fan, you are upset that Yankees pitcher James Paxton waited until only a few weeks before the start of spring training to have surgery and is now lost to the team for three to four months. I'm an awful person for saying this, but yeah, I, I agree. I am upset. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I respect that it's his decision and that he and his doctors were hoping rest would be enough. For, and for a while, it looked like it would be. But then in the end, it just turned out that surgery was necessary. I understand it. As I say, I even respect it. But as a fan, I can't help thinking how I would have been more proactive in avoiding medical procedures this close to spring training. But again, I, I'm not him. I know that's unfair. It's selfish to think that's me. I do respect his decision to handle it however he felt was best, even if I don't like it, and I don't. Yeah, I, I, I'm not with you on this one. Uh, I say shenanigans. I think I personally can never blame a, a player for doing something that's medically becomes medically necessary no, no matter how close to the season it is, no matter when it is. I think of when CC Sabathia walked away from the team the last month of the season to deal with alcoholism and stuff. If you need to get something done, you just do it. You know, I, 
I think especially of fans that get after pitchers who have Tommy John surgery, maybe try to rehab the injury away, and then they end up having to have the surgery, and they're lost for like a year and a half. People say, well, they should have just had the surgery. Well, you never know how you're going to bounce back from the surgery. So I can never blame a player for trying to rehab an injury away and using surgery as a last option. And you're absolutely right. And I, you've made me feel like a heel, although you haven't changed my mind. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fair. Number two, Portland Trailblazers Damian Lillard was angry after a game this week in which an admitted missed goaltending call cost the Blazers a win. Truth or shenanigans, all pro sports leagues need better replay challenge systems. I, I agree. They do. I feel like we've talked about it many times. We have the technology in place, so use it. If, if you're not going to, why bother? Just get rid of it. We don't want the game slowed down. There needs to be a limit, I, I guess, to, uh, you know, how many times a coach can challenge. And once he's used up his allotment, I suppose those situations are going to come up anyway. But allow coaches to challenge more things. Have a replay official in place, especially in tight games and especially in critical situations. This was at the end of the game. Why someone wasn't looking at it? Is beyond me. I I think the Portland Trail Blazers Lillard has a legitimate beef here. Yeah. Well, well, I don't think all leagues need better systems for replay challenges. I do agree there are tweaks that need to be made. So I'll say yes. I, like you said, the key thing is make everything reviewable. What's the point of having replay if you can't use it on certain things? You know, everything that happens while the clock is running should be reviewable. And on top of that, I think you need better accountability from the referees that are making the calls in the first place. We've talked about um, in multiple sports, especially I think baseball most recently, how a lot of times the guys that make the calls don't have to answer for the calls that they make. So hold the referees accountable and make everything challengeable. And I think you've pretty much fixed the problem. Yeah. You know, one thing that people will always point out, oh, there's holding on every play in the NFL. All right, whatever. So they can only challenge so many holding plays. I, I don't care how you do it, but everything should be reviewable. Number three, Pete Rose is correct that since the Astros GM and manager only got one year suspensions for actual cheating, Rose's lifetime ban for betting on his own team should be lifted. What do you think? You know, I've gone back and forth on it, but I think I'm going to say shenanigans. And the, the big difference for me is that, well, yeah, in a vacuum, I think what those guys did is way worse. They actually affected the outcome of a game beyond what it should have been by their actions. And Pete Rose didn't. Pete Rose also lied about what he did for decades. And, well, look, the Astros weren't very honest about what they did either. I mean, the amount of time that Pete Rose spent saying that he didn't do what he did, for me, that's kind of a disqualifier. I think, look, put him in the Hall of Fame uh posthumously i'm okay with that you know but look the guy had a lot of chances to come clean and and rehab his image and he just didn't take them yeah i i disagree with you in, in the sense that all everything you said is right but this is something that a player should get to uh, enjoy before he's dead and, and it's been a long time for pete rose so however you want to handle it, Pete, if if you give us a, a full admission, then we're going to put you in. But we need a full admission. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. As we wind down the program, You Like That is next. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. 
it took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler, and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Before closing out this week's show, let's give you our You Like That for the week. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 says, Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Stanford basketball player Oscar Da Silva collided with Colorado's Evan Batty midway through the second half of their game last weekend, suffering a head laceration which required stitches. He remained on the floor after falling, and there was blood coming from his injury. It was a horrific scene. The medical team brought out a stretcher, though Da Silva did end up walking off the court with a little bit of assistance. Players from both teams were stunned and emotional, and Batty was seen crying on the shoulder of one of his assistant coaches. He even returned to the locker room to try to gather himself together. During the timeout, players from both teams came together on the court. They locked arms. They bowed their heads in prayer before play resumed. It was an uncommon in-game moment which revealed an uncommon compassion among players uniting in elevating concern for a fellow athlete above that of the game itself. The united compassion and concern of opposing teams for an injured player is what I like this week. What I like this week was actually a bit of a proud dad moment that I had with my son. My my oldest son is three years old, and uh, with spring training coming up, it's going to be on TV a lot at my house very shortly. So I got him his first baseball glove this week. Mm. It's the tiniest little glove. It's like an eight-and-a-half-inch glove. It's so small, but uh, he's excited about it. When I get home from the studio, in fact, we're going to be playing catch across the kitchen since there's way too much snow outside. Um, But he's excited to have his first glove. I have to remind him which hand it goes on from time to time. But we're going to be playing catch, and I'm pretty stoked about it. So that's what I like this week. That is a nice dad moment, getting your boy his first glove. Oh, yeah. Well, that's going to do it. We're at the end of our show. Thanks so much for being with us. I want to let you know that the Beyond the Game program is mainly a listener-supported radio ministry. Thanks to all of you who have given of your time to pray for us and of your financial treasures to help pay the expenses of bringing the good news of the Bible to sports fans all around the world through Sports Talk Radio. We're asking that you would indeed continue to keep us in your prayers, and that if God lays it on your heart to make a financial contribution to this ministry, whether it be a one-time gift or a recurring amount, please visit our website, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold, be great, and enjoy the Daytona 500, everybody.